welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And, uh, baby, during our pre-show production meeting, you made a comment about having just returned from the Sojourn Conference. And uh, I have to tell you, and, and I'm sure I speak for Piper in this, we are... We are always fascinated by these tales from the road that you that you bring to the table, and uh, I would like to ask one or two questions about the sojourn. Yeah, I'll throw it out there. We get into get into our promos. So, yeah. um, I, I would I would love just one or two like aesthetic uh, offerings from that conference. Like, what did the room? What did the stage look like? Uh, what what was the vibe? Mm. Uh, because I find sojourn stuff just just kind of endlessly hilarious. So well, okay, so that on us. two things really quickly. So you got to understand yeah. about sojourn as it continues to grow, it's becoming increasingly less hipster status, right? So really, why is that? that? Well, because we just we got a lot of churches we're adopting, so we're we're getting in more of the of the uh, the khaki crowd. You know, oh, there's sure. a little bit. Yeah. There's a little. I just offended. An entire people group by saying that, dude. You're going to uh, get the khakis though when you when you lead are. with some hipster. The khakis are going to want to follow. So it, that's it's, that's it's normal. True. It's, yeah. so it's that's also kind of just big. called. It's also called growing up. You know, yeah. at some point, kind kind of like all of the Driscollites grew out of their like black t-shirts and combat their tap out t-shirt, and, yeah. Like, yeah, silver chain face, yeah, which was yeah. always lame anyway. But um, so, yeah, so two things that kind of stick out is that they moved the conference back to one of the Sojourn Church locations, which is what's called Midtown. And it's like this crazy cathedral that they bought. And it's like over the top. They have all the massive like 24 by 28 stained glass like murals yeah, on the ceiling yeah. and all that. So you're just you're, you're kind of in this really, really sort of like like awestruck environment, you know, as you're sitting there. Liturgy. It feels like you're doing church. And it's all liturgy. We had, we had Zach S. Wine. He was our, he was our keynote. Oh, Swiney, man. Yeah. We had him doing his thing. And again, which a lot of the reform, you guys will like this. All right. A lot of the reform dudes struggle with Zachy. They love him. But when he preaches, he he always preaches through proverb. He's not linear. He doesn't never has like three points of Mm -hmm. anything. It's always, it always sounds kind of like scattered thoughts and there's all, there's all this gold to it. But it yeah. never follows like a clear path, which I, I dig it. I love it. But you yeah. got all these other people that are like kind of around going, what did he just say? I, and yeah. I'm like, well, I, think, I think he wants you to actually think rather than tell you what to think about what he just said. So Dude, it's I, new- I, speak, I think I speak for all reformdom in saying I, I don't care about any of that. I, I just – does he go long enough? You know, that's really all we care about in reform. <laughs> he goes long enough, but he's not trying to tell you what to think, baby. And does I know it that, feel like a marathon? You know, are you are you exhausted afterward? That that's all that matters. Zachy goes. Wait for it. This is going to shock you. Zachy goes a cool thirty five minutes. Dude, thirty five uh, is short for a reform. Oh, dude. dude, it's like he didn't even speak. We reject <laughs> him then. I have issues with him now. None of the other yeah. stuff gave me pause, but that. Yeah, know. a good reform guy has like two thirty five minute sidebars in his sermons where he's like, "Now this is not the main point, but I did discover this in my study of the original languages." And then thirty five mm-hmm. minutes. There's there no goes. original yeah, language. Absolutely. There's no sidebar, and in fact, he does a lot of like weird like external like voices and he he's he's very interact he's very creative and dramatic yes he's kind (laughs) of like that a little bit where he does like he does like the audience voice where he's like why is this guy talking like this (laughs) i mean a little bit that's kind of how he talks anyway so he's really he's so different for like what we're used to in our tribe and then here would be the the final thing man is um they always do a big gathering on the first night with uh they, they yeah and it's always outside and they always like do it differently. You know, this year it was um, outside in this really dark courtyard with no lighting, which was weird. But what they did was they got a bunch of food trucks 
to of come in. Of course they did, dude. That's, every, the, that's the most sojourn thing ever. So listen, everybody just engaged with hipster hot dogs, chicken yeah. wings, and and craft donuts. Man, oh sure I, they did. I yeah. love I love food trucks because you can get like slightly above average food for way above average prices at like twice the normal amount of time you'd wait for it. It's just oh, the, it's like the perfect yeah. dining experience while standing out in either blazing sun or in your case dark. Guys, it was yeah. If man, what you really was, want is to stand around outside for a really long time on your feet. The, yeah, the in, in the freezing cold, in the Louisville freezing cold, um, eating what was supposed to be high end hot dogs, and uh, dude, also that's that's great stewardship by Sojourn because I'm sure they spent like eight point two million dollars on that uh, experience. Quote unquote, we got it down so. to one point two this year. We good stewardship, man. Tip of the cap, tip of the distressed hipster cap to Sojourn, man. Those those guys always do it right. So the. Baby, you, you feel like you've been pampered? The pampering situation was was what you were looking for, hopefully? Oh, absolutely. I mean, except Good. for the fact that they asked me to do an all-day teaching intensive. So I, I had I had a group of, I had a group of pastors for six hours that what I had savages? to entertain. Baby, luckily, when's the next conf? A week and a half from now? So <laughs> you're, you're going to be looking at some more some more pampering here in, in not too terribly long, which is a, uh, a good situation. So, not too terribly long at all. That's Piper, not. speaking of pampering and speaking of... Uh, this week's sponsor, one of this week's sponsors, um, which, you know, if you come to Union University for four years, it'll be, it'll be like you're at a Sojourn conference for four years. That's how uh, that's how you will be pampered. That's how you will be treated on campus. So uh, our first sponsor for the week pipe is Union University, which happens to be my employer. Uh, Union is a is a four year Baptist um, Southern Baptist affiliated school in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, I have taught here. This is the start of year four for me. So. Um, really, really love it, man. Really love Union. And uh, I won't make you do a promo read about it. I'm just going to vamp about it for a couple of minutes. But uh, I teach journalism at Union, so I'm in the communication arts department. And um, I, I think we have one of the best journalism programs, one of the best college journalism programs in the country. And um, I, I really, really love it there. But Union in general, I think, Pipe, one of the distinctives of it is that um, – as a lot of Christian colleges, even big kind of brand name Christian colleges, are, are sort of slowly taking their slide toward um, kind of cultural appeasement and, and, you know, kind of selling out some of their doctrinal distinctives. Um, I think Union has, has remained manifestly Christian. Uh, we have great leadership. I think our leadership does a great job of both the kind of the student life side and the, the theology and, and mission kind of side. So, uh, check it out. Check out uu.edu. Uh, Union is a great place to study. Jackson, Tennessee is a very easy place to live. Um, we have some really competitive scholarships to make Christian college uh, not the thing that sinks your family financially. So uh, check us out, uu.edu. Um, you will be glad you did. So Piper, tell us about Noah's events venue. Well, I will in a moment, but let me jump in on this Union University thing because yeah. I, you know, working at working in, in Christian publishing, specifically at, at B&H Books, part of Lifeway, we have pretty strong relationships with Union. And I didn't know a ton about Union before moving to Nashville, which is like two and a half hours down the road. But I yeah. work alongside, I don't know, I mean, probably a dozen Union grads. We've had Union students come awesome. through as interns. Uh, we have a handful of Union grads in our church, a couple in our small group. By and large, incredibly gifted people who are mm. pretty great to be around. And I don't know if that covers the student body as a whole, but the grads who I work with or know through church are all pretty awesome and really yeah, good at their really jobs. Good. And and they come from a variety of 
of background. So the liberal arts thing is like it's not just it's not a Bible college. There's yeah, there's yeah, math majors, sure. there's for literature sure. majors. We've had we've had one or two, I think, of your of your journalism students who have come through uh, yep. as interns and all exceptionally sharp. So um, yeah. the proof is in we the actually have really. Yeah, we have really great professional schools, too. We have a, a big nursing program, a big pharmacy program. So, um, yeah, there's really a lot of Not variety there. Not to be confused there. with big pharma. That's just a big pharmacy <laughs> program. Those are That's different right. things. Um, but That's the proof right. is in the pudding. I don't know what that phrase means, but I think it means that uh, – the work it's turns delicious. out well, and pudding is delicious. good. So Dude, that's right, man. UU.edu, and then send your kids there and get those scholarships Ted was talking about. Also, pipe fun fact, we have the nicest dorms I've ever seen, like, anywhere in my college travels. You know how college dorms are typically, like, barracks-esque and grim? Yeah, a lot of cinder um, block. Yeah, a lot of cinder block. Our dorms are all apartment style, so each individual kid gets their own little bedroom. So uh, they live in the campus, getting wiped out by a tornado a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. I I wasn't going to focus on that, but uh, but yeah, that was a decade ago. Uh, Most of the campus got wiped out by a tornado, and the result was uh, a whole bunch of brand new dorms, which are really nice. So um, they're apartment style. Each dorm has like a kitchen, a couple of bathrooms, and uh, and each kid gets their individual space, which I know people. Uh, tend to like that when they visit the campus. But, Everybody's uh, speak- looking for safe spaces at colleges, Piper. and the dorms allow for them to to have those. Dude, everybody's looking for safe spaces. One of, one of the pushes that I'm making uh, at Union is for every student, all 2,000 of them, to get their own individual classroom as well. So I just think every student needs, <laughs> in addition to their own bedroom, they need their own classroom space um, to be yet more safe. But Piper, speaking of safe spaces... Um, we are partnering with a with a company who does nothing if not provide unique and safe spaces for people. So tell us about Noah's Events Venues, baby. That's right, NoahEventVenue.com. Uh, if they provide safe spaces for your church to meet, especially <laughs> if you're a church plant or starting a new campus or all that. So they basically offer venues for lease, full service. So all of your audiovisual needs, classroom spaces, nursery spaces, kitchen spaces, parking spaces – all provided as part of the deal. So a friend of mine is a campus pastor for a church um, here in the Nashville area because we need more campuses of more megachurches. Um, and they ended up leasing space from a hotel, which tells me that I have not done an adequate job of spreading the word about Noah Event Venue because they really should have used that space instead. They started a campus at an embassy suites. That sounds mm-hmm. awful to me when mm-hmm. when Noah Event Venue offers such great spaces. That's so, a very unsojourn thing to do. They would never darken the door. Would, no, it's, never it's, dark it's not even a Hyatt place. It's an embassy uh. suite. <laughs> Oh, the place with like the big grim. courtyard in the middle and like the whole place smells like a swimming pool because they have a uh, chlorinated fountain in the middle. Just wrap this up. This is painful. <laughs> anyway, so none- your guys are anti-chlorine. They're anti-chemicals. All well, natural. Yeah. An- anti like cleaning chemicals. Certain other chemicals I'm sure are, are perfectly <laughs> acceptable. Um, but <laughs> sure. no event venue has none of those awful things I just said. They have very classy, nice, well-kept spaces in most major metro areas across the country. So go to noaeventvenue.com slash church to check out what their offerings are in your area. If you if your church is looking for a new space, whether you're moving or expanding or starting a new church or whatever. There it is, Piper. A lot of business, man. A lot of business to take care of. It's been uh, it's been good to be the happy rant lately with these sponsorships. So uh, thank you to both sponsors, Union University and Noah's Events Venues. 
Uh, boys, we were a little late getting into the studio today, so I want to get into some of these topics and uh, get right into them. But one of the ones that listeners like that we weren't able to fully finish last time is what are we reading or watching or listening to? And I think we got through, did we get through Ron's only? Mm-hmm. Or, or Yeah, okay, so we got through Ron's only. Ron, you can still talk this time, so... Uh, don't feel like you, we're excluding you from this. No, but, it's good, uh, man. I, I was satisfied with talking about cooking recipes through Hannah Anderson's new book, All That's Good. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you're – There's a lot of pie involved in that conversation. It's a lot of pie. A lot of black. Cooking your way through Hannah's theology book, so that's that's Absolutely. good. That's as, as it should, should be. be. Yeah. Uh, boys, I want to talk about something that I, I'm watching or some rather something that I just watched. Uh, I just saw the movie A Star is Born with mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. And I have to tell you, man, it's probably – the most impressive, challenging, interesting movie I've seen in the last five years or so. Um, you know, and I, I had preconceived notions of Bradley Cooper kind of being limited to certain kinds of roles. And he plays a grizzled uh, rock star, kind of an older rock star in this movie, still very successful, still playing arenas and and got a great career. And, and Gaga plays sort of the um, the up and coming young singer who's who's hungry for fame and I have to tell you that the movie for me, more than being about, you know, substance abuse or or music or anything like that, to me, it really was about the grossness of fame. And about two thirds of the way through the movie, I leaned over to KK and I just said, I'm so sorry for ever wanting to be famous. Um, Because I I think, you know, being creatives and being in the the industries that we're in, like, um, I know that there was a season where I really like dreamed about fame, chased fame, was interested in that as a concept. And boy, this movie to me, like really shows it, um, you know, for, for all the grossness that it is. And, and, you know, fame was the thing that really, um, I think was the undoing of, you know, of the, both of these characters at some level. Um, fascinating movie though, amazing music, you know, really visually well done, great script, fascinating characters, um, highly recommend A Star is Born and catch it in the theaters if you can because it's it's definitely going to be more impressive in that context. That movie was getting Oscar buzz, as they say, uh, yeah. specifically uh, Lady Gaga's performance. Did you think that uh, that it lived up to that hype? Dude, I do. She was incredible. Like I, I've, I've always kind of been an admirer of hers. I think she has a really interesting career and, and obviously a really powerful voice. Um, she She was great in the role that they cast her in acting wise, you know, there was a lot of just kind of raw, powerful beauty there without all the makeup and all the kind of persona work that she, that she does in real life. So, um, yeah, she did, she did an amazing job in in the film really showed a couple of things vis-a-vis romance that I thought were interesting, like just the quiet kind of intimate two people getting to know each other stage of a relationship. That's so magical, Um, they really showed that well, but they also showed that, you know, if you're depending on a relationship or a marriage or another person to fulfill you, um, that's a fool's errand, you know, that will, that will not end well. And, and these are Christian concepts, right? The idea that we were made to worship and not be worshiped and the idea that another person, another human can't, um, kind of fill the void and, and give our lives meaning. I mean, these are things that Christians would affirm. Uh, obviously not a Christian movie, but, uh, but yeah, she did, she did a really great job. I think if she doesn't win an Oscar, I'll be, I'll be shocked. Baby, did you ever see the, did you ever see the original? How, how did it compare with the original? Dude, I never did. The one with Babs, uh, Streisand yeah. and, uh, it was Christofferson and Streisand, right? 
I think so, yeah. Yeah, I never saw it. That's that's definitely on my list of things to view now that I've seen this one. Later. I'm kind of surprised. I kind of I thought you were like a, a deep lover of the Barbara Streisand catalog. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Me and me and Babs go way back. I mean, I'm a I'm I'm definitely an admirer of her of her work, but uh, but yeah, I haven't caught that one. I'll I'll need to do that soon for sure. Do you think that this? Um, I I just keep wondering because the last couple of Gaga albums have really tanked. Yeah. Do you, do you see this as being kind of where where she probably has her her, her greatest future ahead of her is in acting. Dude, I could see it. I could totally, totally see it because she has a, she has an unconventional beauty to her and acting looked, it looked very comfortable. You know, it didn't look unnatural. No, at no point was I watching the film going, this is a, this is a musician who's acting, you know, it, it felt really natural to her. Well, she's so. kind of like Streisand too, and that she's not like, she is. she's not a classic beauty, but she has all yeah. these like, multi-talents. Oh, most definitely. And she's not easy to classify musically or I, was say, you know, I think that's why her albums have tanked too, is because she you know, she got famous doing sort of <clears throat> more like pop rock kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. But then she went and did like a duets album with Tony Bennett and, you know, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other stuff that's just sort of I think she just sort of likes flexing her creative muscles and she doing does. And dude, a ton I like that she things. likes that, honestly. Yeah. Like that that makes her more interesting to me. Like I like people who do whatever they want. Um with with no regard for the results. Really. Well, and she like, and she reached a she reached an icon status really early, which again allows her yeah. to kind of do whatever she wants and still retain this level of celebrity and popularity. It's almost like it doesn't matter what she does, whether something sells or not, because yeah. she has established herself as one of the one of the premier you know artists of our generation, really. But yeah, I guess yeah, it's, it's so funny to think about this movie in light of who she was like eight years ago. Or six totally. years ago, you know, in terms of the the kind of impression that the public had of her then as this kind of kind of countercultural pop star, she was in it for the shock value, making yeah. sort of weird music, and now she's doing like a an Oscar worthy, artistic, deep, thoughtful film that is yeah. none of the things that made her famous in the first place. Yeah, it's the maturation process, right? Which which I think. You know, for for a rock star musician to really be interesting, like to me, that's one of the ingredients. You know, I want to see how they how they grow, how they mature, and um, you know, I think she's she's got a, a bright future ahead of her as a like a, a middle aged artist, to be honest. And um, that was just a really interesting thing to uh, to look at. So, uh, yeah, a Star is Born, loved it. Uh, Pipe, what about you? What are you reading, watching that you've uh, that you've loved since the last time we talked about it? Um. I think my affection for Leif Anger has been well spoken on this podcast over the years. Oh man, and I and I salute that as well. One of my favorites. Just recently, so within the past few weeks, I finished his most recent novel. He comes out with a novel like every six years, so he's real easy to keep up yeah. with. Um, unlike yep. you know, unlike the, the John Grishams of the world who both write bad novels and write them often. Um, so it's called Virgil Wander, and it's. It's peak anger. Like, it's so mm-hmm. good. And I don't know how to describe it because his books aren't about anything. But they're sure. kind of, but they're a, but they're really significant and thoughtful and meaningful. Like, they're not plot-driven books, which means yeah. it's very hard to say, like, oh, it's a heist book or it's a coming-of-age yeah. book or whatever. It's just a book about a – it's a book about a, a guy in a town and the other mm-hmm. people in the town and stuff that happens to them because they are profoundly human – uh, mm. But it's also really heartwarming and really sad. And the way that he 
he uses um, the setting of the book as sort of a character. So it's set in northern Minnesota on a on a town that doesn't actually exist, but on <clears throat> north of Duluth, on the on the 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 coast of Lake Superior, um, which is a place that I love. And so even yeah. that was just sort of a you read it and you're like, oh yes, I know this place, I know these yeah. people, and and he mm-hmm. wrote it so well. So that's what I find. That's the book that I've read most recently that I just that that I loved and will probably end up rereading at some point, which I rarely do, but this book was, was good enough to do it. It's he's, I think he might be the the best living novelist. Yeah. I, I think I would agree, man. I've, I've really loved his stuff too. Would you say this one is as strong as peace like a river pipe? Man, it's hard to say because peace like a river was the first one I read. And you know, the, the first time you get blown away by something, it leaves a stronger impression and then the yeah, second and sure. third times you you read something that are equally as good, you kind of expect something as good. Um, so, Peace Like a River left a stronger impression, but I think as a book, this is as good. Pipe. Oh, nice. um, some of the reviews I've read have not have not have said it's not as strong. I mean, it's they haven't said it's. I certainly haven't read like a bad review of it, but they've they've not been like they've been kind of underwhelming reviews. What what's your take on that? I think most book reviewers. Uh, just across the board, are very bad at gauging how they interact with a book. So they they think they're being objective, but they fail to recognize what they bring in in terms of expectations or in terms of what you know what they hoped for. Because really, like there are books that are objectively bad, but mm-hmm. a lot of books that we get frustrated by it's because we were looking for one thing and it delivered something else. Right. Right. And so I right. think. Uh, in those, you know, those are like the funniest Amazon reviews where people read it and they're like, oh, this is a book about faith and doubt. I wanted something about whatever. And you're like, yeah, but it says in the subtitle what it is. Um, and, and so people are just kind of dumb that way. I don't know. I, I came to it just hoping for a really good story about really good characters. And he delivered in spades. It was fantastic. Yeah, Pipe, I got a hard copy sitting right here that I haven't delved into yet. So. I know it's tough between all your leadership coaching calls and travels around for, you know, denominational stuff and all day it's rough. intensive. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, there's not it's a tough. lot of time for just just sitting down and enjoying, you know, the best living novelist's latest offering. I, I know. I want Leif to have a, a just a larger part of my existence and I just I mean, I'm, except for all those hours on the airplanes, but you know mm-hmm. I mean there's, there's well, other other things that need to be done there as well. Yeah, you know, but he's got to be working on his like his pro presenter slides for the next big thing that he's doing. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on. I understand. Ron. You know what? I'll read when I'm dead. It's it's worth making time for. How long before Ron becomes a leadership coach? <laughs> well, how long I mean, before? How long? He's going to move he... within the year. So I mean, he's 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 leaving Ashland within the year. I, I love uh, how you say how long before, assuming that I'm not that, I'm, that, I'm not. that you're not already one on the side. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it's, that, that's Ron an off year combo, baby. So you know. I know it, baby. I know it. Ron likes to keep it mysterious, so we'll uh, we'll have that convo off the air. Uh, but boys, I am looking. Gosh, I'm I'm looking through our show notes. Hence the pause. Um, so, it, live, live show prep, ladies and gentlemen. Live show prep as we as we listen. So one of the interesting things that happened in my metro area last night is that due to some rain that's coming tonight, they actually officially moved Halloween to last night. Which is absurd. Um, yeah, thereby throwing, you know, every parent of small children into a 
uh, into a frenzy of, of trying to make memories with them. And, and for us, obviously, boys, that means not Halloween, but Reformation Day. So I had to pull together my son's Jonathan Edwards costume, you know, just that much faster. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had to find his little um, his little tri-corner cap and uh, his, his Luther robe, his Luther robe, load him down with books, you know, so that and, like, and find 11 like other smaller, yeah, give him a lemon to, to suck on so that he looks properly miserable. The 95 oh, yeah, Reese's absolutely. peanut butter cups hanging on the wall. Right. You know? I, I had to I had to make him look miserable. I had to surround him with eleven children because that's what Jonathan Edwards had. Which I think that's why that's the goal for all reformed dads is to sire uh, eleven children like their their hero Jonathan Edwards. But um, where does this come from? This weird unabashed love of Reformation Day. So this is something that's so ridiculous that reformed people should be embarrassed by it, but they're but they're not. So uh, pipe as as the the scion of a reformed icon. Where where does this come from? Was Reformation Day a part of the Piper household as a child? You know, oddly enough, it wasn't. I didn't know what Reformation Day was that I can recall until I was in college. And people who came from like a Dutch reformed tradition started, mm-hmm. you know, they they were they like wore their little monkish tonsures and and brown robes and like made a huge deal out of it. <laughs> um, but uh, the, I, I'm perpetually baffled. You, I think Ron mentioned the the 95 Reeses as opposed to the 95 Theses for oh, those who are unfamiliar gosh, with solid. terrible reform jokes. Um, yes, I think yeah. it's hilarious that that year after year the same joke is considered funny. You know, every year like the same picture goes up of somebody nailing those to a door, and they're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" I'm like, it it wasn't amazing last year, or the year before, or the year before that, or the year before that. And yeah. it, you know, in fact, it's probably a repost of the same thing. So I reform people struggle with all things creative and humor, generally speaking, yeah. which may, means I probably shouldn't be surprised with their response. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, we did like harvest party kinds of things and stuff like that. All sorts, you know, the church, church can weird anything up if they want to, but yeah. uh, no, I don't think we did reformation day that I can recall. I feel like almost every church I've been in, there's been like a, and this is not a, a gender driven comment, but there's always been a lady who's been really passionate about Reformation Day and has kind of driven the, you know, dri- driven the, the the programming for that day in a way that's made everybody like low key uncomfortable slash embarrassed. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, that, that's always a fun thing to see unfold in a reformed church. And uh, I'm, I'm glad for it. Yeah, it's like uh, you, do like, you do like the anti-papal screed poetry contest and you know, oh, all exactly. sorts of different The kids things. love that, though. The yeah. kids have so much fun with that. I mean, how, how could we take that away from them? Big R, being our resident hipster and also our resident church planner, not pastor, church planner, um, how, do, how does the hipster church planning community handle something like Halloween? Because Halloween is um, – it, it, it's anti-hipster in that it's traditional – and it's sort of anti-Christian in that it's Satan's holiday. So, like, totally. how do you how do you deal with that as a hipster church planner? But counterpoint, well, you, it's also an opportunity for adults to dress in absurd ways, which totally. hipsters love. That's Sorry. every day, though, for hipsters. I mean, well, right, you know. but this is like a different kind of absurd. I mean, it, you could make the argument that every day is is both Reformation Day and Halloween, and that in that hipsters are dressing as like you know, blacksmiths from the, from the 1800s or, you know, metallurgists or and whatever. Reformed so people are having no fun and reform people are having no fun. So, um, big R speak, speak some wisdom into this for us. Well, I mean, dude, it's, it's all over the map. 
So yeah. I, there is no commonality, right? So you still have even reform dudes that are super offended by Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, you have more of the missionally minded, you know, like reformed church planners that are like embracing Halloween and all of its craziness because this is how we connect with our neighbors. How could yep. we miss such an opportunity? Um, yep. Every, you know, everything that they do minus, you know, celebrating evil, we want to, we want to adopt and we want to celebrate. Okay. Um, and then you have like, even within the same tradition, you have the super, super, like, you know, we're even afraid to call it Reformation Day because we feel like we're flirting with evil. Uh-huh. And um, so, dude, it's like they're literally I, I mean, I I could talk to three different guys that all look the same right now and they're going to have completely like different, you know, mindsets on the whole thing. So, it, dude, it's it you can't nail it down. It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest thing. Dude, so what is Sojourn's position on it? Like, do, did that come up at the conf last week? Like, no, there's no there's no position. Again, it's all individually driven. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Dude, I so, the, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what's the what's the rhetoric coming out of out of GCO about this out of TGC? I'm sure. Like, is this McCracken level like cultural stuff, or do they have somebody else writing about um, writing about Halloween? How we should think about it? Like, what's What's come out of that organization? I think TGC has always taken the sort of the redemptive mindset, which is like, yeah, you can go too far, but, you Mm -hmm. know, we can we can redeem these things and we can make Mm -hmm. it something Mm -hmm. to where, you know, it actually can be it can be something that can, you know, display, you know, the gospel and connection with with neighbors and showing love in those ways. So they've always as far as I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. they've always taken the redemptive approach rather than just throwing it out, rejecting it. Right. Uh, so, so I, I, do, I don't know. Do either of you know anybody who has, as one of you so eloquently put it earlier, celebrated evil on Halloween? Like, is, is, that, <laughs> no. is that a thing that you know of existing in your spheres? No, I've, I've, I've never seen it. I mean, minus all like the witches and uh, like saint worshippers on my block. Yeah, nobody I know yeah. is celebrating okay, evil. Okay, well, that's, I guess that's my question is like, it, it, are there actually witches and Satan worshippers on your block? Because, you know, I don't want to make light of such things. Uh, I do, however, feel that like small children in ghoulish costumes is more entertaining than evil. Dude, there's going to be another reform guy on your block pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, pal. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. I By think on your I, block, he means in your guest bedroom. But I think yeah. it's coming from some like on I, your another thing that rhymes with block, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> another way to stack the block, boys. Um, uh-huh. I think it comes from I don't know, dude. I what Piper just said is so interesting because I didn't grow up in reformdom, so we had harvest parties and everybody dressed like a shepherd, and all the women looked like shepherds, and you know it was just it was like shepherds galore. It's like right? little yeah. little Bo Peep everywhere. It was just for some reason there was no there was no acceptable costume that wasn't a shepherd like for some reason you couldn't even dress like like a like a construction worker somehow that was evil like you only could dress <laughs> like a shepherd it's worldly yeah yeah everything else was worldly right but mm. mom i want to be a doctor someday no you put on nope. this robe and that's with this right. rope and tie it well, around I your say, waist I, th- I think that's because that's because in good stewardship the only thing you could use for a costume was like bandanas and bathrobes and Something so, you already have in the house. Yeah, you end yeah. up like putting a bandana on your head and like putting a rubber band around it, and then putting on a bathrobe. And so you're like, oh look, a blue terry cloth shepherd. I think. Yeah, yeah. you look like Axl Rose waking up in the morning. A know? shepherd who's also a crip. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, somebody wore more like you know they might have like a more paisley one, and that's you know. Oh look, a yeah. lady shepherd. 
Yeah, but boys, check this out. So you guys can relate to this because you're old enough. But remember, I don't even know if this happens anymore, or maybe it's because we're not in these kind of churches. But remember all the rhetoric that would get passed around, like around Christmas time, like about like, oh my gosh, do you realize how many like children are being sacrificed on October 31st and and all of these like things that are happening? We got to be so careful to remove ourselves from from the element of evil and our kids getting sucked in, you know, our kids getting sucked into children's sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Dude, I don't know. That's how, that was all the stuff that was being propagated. That's crazy. I never heard like thing one about children's sacrifices. Like there was I didn't always even know the that was There was always some sacrificing of some children going on. That's crazy, dude. That's and if so not crazy. children, then like, you know, you know what they do? Do you notice the day after Halloween? There are no black cats in the neighborhood anymore, Ronnie. Mm, what mm. do you think happened to them? I'm like, I don't know. Are they sleeping? Cats sleep during the day. I don't know. Dude, no, they, they were sacrificed. Say, you know? They you all think fled that some because they're screaming children everywhere. Absolutely. hundred percent. Or they ate too much candy. I, you know, like the rest of us, they're just bombed out. I don't know. You know, do you think that at some level that kind of like scare rhetoric is, is, is like just lurid entertainment for a certain kind of Christian, like in the I same mean, way that, yeah. you know, people read mystery novels or whatever for, for fun. Like, but do it's you, more, it's self-justification. It's like, it's like chick track, like culture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, it's fun for everybody to get together and to go, Oh, look at the evil over there. Let's we're you know, we're doing something right by protecting our children from it. And I don't know, there's, there's some level of saying that like, we're doing the right thing by, by, you know, removing ourselves that far away from the culture, because we believe it's having such an incredibly negative uh, yeah, impact. Sure. I, I don't know. All that stuff is complex. Cause when it late, I was like six years old when all that stuff was being laid out for me and they yeah. were like tying a, a noose of a rope around my belly and on my shepherd's <laughs> costume. Right. Dude, here's, what, here's what I think is crazy. The fact that like none of the three of us actually became a shepherd vocationally, because you would think that after all that shepherd like rhetoric that we grew up with, we would all, we would all become shepherds. Do they even have shepherds anymore? Is that even a thing? I, I mean, I like, is there anybody whose job is, is shepherd? Yeah. I know why like, you to a spot like, Hey, I'm going to dress like a shepherd cause that's my aspiration. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like none of us ended up was, like going This was a way. harvest party, not career day, Ted. No, no, I know. But yeah. like after dressing, dressing up as a shepherd every year, you would Dude, think, you know, like, what was even, you know, what was even worse than that. Can you, here's one, here's one that, here's one that you don't get to do anymore. Remember okay. when people would dress up as homeless people? For yeah, Halloween. you can't do that, dude. Yeah, now oh, they're, dude, now they're the called thing. hipsters. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, my my older brother and sister, who are 10 years older than me, I mean, they dressed as quote-unquote hobos every oh, yeah. Halloween. Yep. yep. I, well, I so they wore my cheap, dad's oversized shirts and all that stuff. It was a cheap costume for mom and dad. Absolutely. You know, so that was, a, that was a win-win for everybody. Can you even imagine that right now? I mean, you see somebody walk up in a costume like that, you're just looking at them going, well, dude, why didn't you dress up this year? Right, right. I used to, I used to take when I take my kids into Chicago when I worked, I worked downtown there, and they'd come in sometimes, and uh, we were around a college campus, and we would regularly play the game uh, hipster or homeless because you'd see people like (laughs) lounging around on the grass, sleeping, and you're like, now are they passed out from substance abuse? They're unshaven. They smell like patchouli. Like what's going on here? And so you have to guess, and then you walk by and you see like the chemistry textbook. You're like, "Oh, that's uh, a hipster college student." And if you that walk kid's by dad and, actually manages a hedge fund, he's worth right. like eight point two million dollars. Dad, dad is yeah. so proud of him. Uh, and then you walk by and somebody else, you see like the the bottle in the brown paper bag. You're like, <laughs> "Oh, okay. Well, that one's homeless. I totally would have guessed hipster on that because he's those those shoes are nice." Um, and so yeah, it's 
the hobo costume doesn't work very well anymore. Well, check this out. So, so Big M just informed me via text. Mm-hmm. She said we actually we actually had two little kids this Halloween that were hold that dressed as quote unquote hobos and were carrying will work for candy signs. Oh no! Wow, that's that's. But that just kind of showed. This is kind of the area that you know there would be yeah. a there, there would be a confusion. There would not be a heightened sensitivity, you know. In, in <laughs> that's, that's true. Ashland is a few years behind in terms of, uh, you know, those those kind of sensitive cultural mores. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Crazy, huh? That's that's a phrase that has never been uttered in Ashland. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, uh, boys, as much as I would like to keep talking about Ashland, we should maybe talk pipe about a development that Ron could. Uh, he could implement in his church in Ashland. And uh, that is, you sent us a link last week uh, to a church in Texas that is uh, that is implementing professional wrestling as a way for men to fellowship. So this church has, uh, they have a warehouse, they have a ring, uh, they do Bible studies in conjunction with professional wrestling practice. So these guys are uh, doing body slams and pile drivers and uh, all these wrestling things. And you sent us pipe. You sent us this link, expecting us to laugh at it. Uh, but I texted you back, and and I was like, I would I would legit do that. That looks super fun. <laughs> See, then, so, then then the listener sent this one was not Christian. It was just they found it entertaining. They said, I think this is Ted's new hobby, and it was mixed martial arts in like medieval war gear. Yeah, and, I would legit do that. And too. so I sent that to you with no comments, and you were like, Oh, I would absolutely do that. So listener who sent that link in, you pegged Ted. Perfect. Yeah, whoever well that done. listener is, like they 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 know me. They've listened closely over the years, and and yeah. I feel like they've got me figured out. I'm not that I'm not that wow. complicated. So wow. so yeah, obviously the 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 easy joke to make here, and 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 this is the funny like space that we inhabit, the three of us as like smug reformed guys. Like, um, it, it's easy to laugh about something like that, but then we also laugh about like you know the the hyper intellectual like egghead that preaches for an hour and a half. So. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to say that this this wrestling men's Bible study is a good thing. And if I lived in that town in Texas, chances that I would have visited that and probably do it on a regular basis are are pretty high. I would I would say like 90th percentile that that I would be there and I would be doing that. But um again, as man of the cloth, resident man of the cloth, big R, um this this smacks of like programmatism which is something that like reformed people don't like uh how does how does something like this sit with you i mean obviously it smacks of everything i detest in the world um, yeah, of course of yeah. course that, physicality that's, people breaking a sweat you know yeah that um, that that's the first part of it the second is dragging it into the church which i have my own thoughts on but you know what when i step back like i what i try to do now is because i you know is try to understand like what kind of context a particular ministry, a particular church might want to like have this type of ministry and if it's beneficial. And dude, I, I, I don't know, man, like I'm not driven towards that. So that's not like there's something you're going to see of substance next week. Hey guys, come, come to, you know, fight night, you know, come to fight club where all the men get together and, you know, uh, chew metal and, you know, throw things and beat each other up for the gospel. You know, it's like, it's just that those aren't my sensibilities at all. But so it's easy for me to criticize it because personally, I'm just sort of offended by that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know if a church thinks they they can do something and and it can be something that that connects some dudes. I mean, I, dude, I don't know. It just, it all starts sounding very furdy to me. And I I don't know what to do about that, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be too smug about it either. So I I don't know. Pipe, I don't know. 
you know? I, I, to me, I think there's a, there's a distinct difference between guys getting together and doing something that they all really enjoy. That I mean, it could be like smoking brisket or brewing beer or professional wrestling or whatever, you know, going on a hike. Like, I don't care, playing golf. And then, and then through that, connecting with other guys in a way that is beneficial for conversations about faith and life and maybe plugging guys into the church. Making those things a ministry of the church is sort of putting a sanctified label on things that are pretty like, – they don't like, – professional wrestling doesn't have a place in the church. It might right. certainly have a place as a hobby for people just like sure. any other sport or fun thing does or silly thing or comedy thing or whatever. So it's, it's, the, it's the connection to the church that kind of makes me raise an eyebrow. But like guys getting together to do this just kind of makes me chuckle because I'm like, I, I don't hurt yourselves, guys. <laughs> Have fun though. Kind of like yeah. Ted playing football in leather helmets once a year, just for fun. <laughs> like that, I, I look at that and I'm like, all right, Ted. I hope you don't get concussed again. Um, yeah, but yeah. That's, but I, but if that like if. If you started like a leather helmet football church, I we would probably have to have a heart to heart. Like that, yeah, that would, would be, be weird, a little weird. It? it would be really weird. Yeah, <laughs> leather helmet football church. Dude. For the record, I wouldn't do that. But if I somebody else started it, I'd probably go. You yeah, know. once I'd, you check it out once. I check. Where it do out. you go? I go. I go to leather helmet Presbyterian. <laughs> Dude, so so it's, it's called it's called Red Grange Church. Mm-hmm. More devil's advocate playing though. Like if your affinities are, you know sitting around in your hipster gear, kind of self-congratulating for how smart you are, which is, which is sort of the affinity of probably, at some level, all three of the churches that we go to. Um, and, and that's just the culture that we're in. Um, you know, who, who's to say that, I mean, it's not wrong if somebody with other affinities, you know, also studying the Bible, also, you know, ostensibly, hopefully practicing good theology. Um, you know, it, it, at some level, even though you, the three of us would be disdainful of like church marketing and, and kind of uh, pitching uh, a set of aesthetics to a certain audience. Like, I think we all do it. You know what I mean? I think, I think every church, like knowingly or unknowingly, does that at some level. Whether your aesthetic is, you know, fight night or your aesthetic is like leather apron, pour over, you know, kale parties. I mean, everybody's kind of doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we think our poison is less poisonous. It's just That's our chosen. Right. It's just our chosen. What's, you know, it's also because yeah. we, we li- I mean, brand. Ron Ron stepped out of. You know, you stepped into a, a town where this is going to be less true than it is for Ted or me, probably. But we live in places where our propensities are normal. The propensity yeah, to talk about right. Leif Anger at length does not strike mm-hmm. anybody as odd in Nashville. Yeah, because, that's true. Because yeah. they're, they're probably trying to be the next Leifanger or whatever. You know, yeah. the propensity to talk about films and film art and or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Those things are all just normal. But if you go into anywhere that's working class or blue collar, yep. it's probably not so much. And we would not be, we would not fit in at all. We would not yeah. speak the language of anybody. Or or maybe we could learn it, but it wouldn't be sort of our our sort of natural inclination. And in that way, I look at it and that's, yeah, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well that, and that's why using this as a means to connect with guys can make a lot of sense in that culture. Um, I think the risk that, that we run is sort of cultural snobbery where I look, I mean, I think professional wrestling is ridiculous, but I don't know that it's any more ridiculous than like football. It just, it's just a thing I roll my eyes at, whereas football is not. And I don't know that that's fair at all. 
Yeah. No, you're right, man. It's just ridiculous in a different way. And it, it's, it's ridiculous in a slightly less sort of culturally acceptable way. Because if, if you look at the Venn diagram of like people who like pro football and Lee Finger, you know, the, the segment in the middle is going to be bigger than people who like professional wrestling and Lee Finger. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's that different at the end of the day. Um yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. So, Ron, as you look at sort of the the smorgasbord of ridiculous programmatic things that you could see starting at your church, like what's what's the one that's slightly embarrassing but appealing to you? Like, if, if you could start anything like this, or if you had to, what what would it be? <laughs> Dude, man, I don't know, man. Like um, a film night, or, or or like I know I know what it would be for you guys. It would be like a gourmet food night. You know what I mean? Where Yeah, yeah. We'd probably do something like that. Like as that a church, would, you start cooking through like Julia Child's cookbook. And we do we do like a it. we do like a farm to table night kind of a thing. Oh, of course you do. And please tell me you call it farm to table night. Well, we would if we did it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But it's actually but okay, so going back to what Pipe said, that's actually kind of a middle ground thing because something like what you just described with like wrestling or or fight club. That would actually appeal to a segment of our of our town, but sure. like because I'm not driven by that, I'm not going to be as naturally you know drawn drawn toward it. But I've also seen the negative side, so I I actually explored that one of those one of those Fight Club ministries, and like you know what they did in terms of just getting the guys together and sort of the activities was fine, but they also had this weirdo like contract that you had to sign that was sort of the quote unquote spiritual component of what they were doing. And dude, it was just, it was just wacky and bizarre and like not anything that the three of us would agree with. It was super legalistic. And so that's where I think these things become super problematic is when what undergirds them becomes something that I mean, strays away from even basic Christianity, right? In the gospel. Sure, so, sure, um, sure. so I, I think if you just keep it at a level which says, yeah, this is a cool thing to get dudes together with and hang out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can all be snobby about it, but it's like, it's none of it's inherently bad or evil yeah. like Halloween. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but, but again, it's, it's all going to be driven by our own preferences at the end yeah. of the day. You know, yeah. I don't know. No, but, I think, I think that's real, man. That's uh, that's a good word. Boys, we have, um, we've done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. Uh, this has been fun. It's been interesting. It's good to have, uh, the three of us back in the studio and until next time, Rachel, the held Evans. The happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings. If you go to resonaterecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.